This segment is brought to you by Tybro, the world's leader in protective medallions, healing sounds, and spiritual tools. Prayer, miracles, and enlightenment often travel together. Miracles are used by higher beings as a way of communicating with us. To get their attention, you need the right spiritual tools. At Tybro, we've created a large variety of spiritual tools. Take a look at our products. They may just change your life. www.tybro.com Every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central, join us for The Enlightened Perspective, a warm, friendly, one-of-a-kind look at the paranormal, dreams, supernatural disturbances, and everyday life problems examined from a unique spiritual perspective. Dr. Mitchell Gibson is a board-certified medical doctor who has been listed under the best psychics in America and the best medical doctors in America. Kathy Gibson is a former college All-American athlete and business executive who's developed a unique world-class gift for intuition and clairvoyant vision. The Enlightened Perspective is a heartwarming one-hour journey into the unknown. Their specialties include out-of-body travel, dreams, sexual disturbances, interaction with the gods, miracles, and the human soul. Join us and get the answers you've always been looking for. Welcome back to the Enlightened Perspective show with Dr. Mitchell and Kathy Gibson. Hi! Hi! We are so happy to be back. We have been uh, very busy this week, but we are uh, excited to be able to finish the show that we've been doing on the human soul, and we are looking forward to answering a few questions that some people might have, and we're going to soon just jump right into the show. But before we do that, we wanted to thank all of our supporters for being there with us. I know a lot of people have been discovering us on the Gaim TV uh, network and uh, they've been looking at uh, one of our older recordings on the secrets of spiritual healing and it's been going very well. We want to just say thank you to those who have uh, just now found us and we would like to say thank you to all of our very, very wonderful supporters. Well, we have a lot of people out there that are just discovering us and um, I think the show is working. We're getting to people on Gaia, we're getting to people on Nightwatch, and we're seeing a lot of new names come up. Now, when these new names come up, they don't know that I'm not doing consults anymore. <laughs> so I'm getting these paid two, three page questions <laughs> about attaching spirits, about life, about jobs, about relationships. And even if we were in the office, we couldn't get through all those questions and things. And I don't really do psychic readings like that. Uh, my initial training was as a psychiatrist and when my clairvoyant ability woke, woke up I stopped doing that but then people really started kind of taking advantage of the ability and I felt more like a street corner psychic than I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So after doing it for a number of years Kathy and I decided it's time to, to not do that anymore. Yes and uh, it's important for people to understand that even though Dr. Gibson is very active on Facebook and on YouTube, he is not going to be doing free consultations. So we're going to ask that you not send those two and three paragraph questions that you want him to take a look at. You want him to interpret dreams. You want him to uh, figure out what's going on with them without any background or knowing who that person is. We're going to ask that you not do that because he just will not be able to answer your questions. It is something that we've done over the past 11, 12 years and we've decided not to do that any longer. So 
don't feel bad if we can't answer your question. If it was something very simple and just one question, we probably could do it. But we receive two to four hundred emails every week, and it is very difficult and almost impossible to get back to everybody. So please do not do that, and don't feel bad if he can't answer your question. But that's not what we do any longer, and we're focusing more on giving more information so that everybody can take advantage of the information, not just focusing on one person. And I think that's a better use of our time, and I think people will get more information and things that they can use for their own lives through that format. Also, you would not believe how many quick questions I get. So when you write me on Facebook, if you write me on my email, if you say, I just have one quick question, which usually turns into two or three, I can't answer those either. It's just too many. Some people say they get upset if I don't get back to a quick question. Kathy's not exaggerating. We get hundreds of emails, hundreds of questions on all the different media that we're on, and I just can't get to all of them. So this show is the best format that you can send me a question. If we can get to it on the show, send it to uh, mgibsonmd at aol.com. If we can get to it on the show, we're answered. But we can't make a promise that we'll get to all the questions that we get on the emails and Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff. We just can't get to all of them. But if you can send your questions in, we'll go through them and we'll try to pick the ones that have the most general appeal. A lot of the questions we get are extremely personal about personal health conditions or personal life conditions. And we want to have questions that have a more general appeal that will help uh, a wider variety of people. And I think that that will be something that will have a much broader appeal for the people that we work with. Also, it's best to be cautious when you're asking people to do what we call a drive-by. That means that you ask a question to someone that you don't know and you just want them to give you their answer without knowing who you are, what the situation is. That is not a good way to get something answered because you don't know who that person is giving you the answer and if they're uh, right about what they're prescribing for you. So be very careful doing that uh, for those of you who like to just get a drive-by answer to your predicament. And one more thing is that uh, even though Dr. Gibson's not available, I'm not available either. <laughs> because when people found out I wasn't doing it, they went right over to you. They sent them right over to me. Mrs. Gibson, we would like to have a, a free consultation with you, and it might be 1 o'clock in the morning we get these calls. Yes, and so please don't do that either, because I'm not going to answer them. I, I answer as many as I can, but... It's getting to the point where I'm not going to be able to do that either. I have a question, Mrs. <laughs> What's the question? My question is, if I buy a pair of pants at Nordstrom Rack and they don't fit, and I feel like they have spirits in them, is it right for me to take them pants back to Nordstrom Rack even though I feel like they have spirits in them and they don't fit me? Is that right for me to take them back knowing that there's a possible attaching spirit in them pants? They was nice Calvin Klein cuff pants, but the waist was too big. I suppose I could have taken Maybe I should let you answer the question. Well, I would have to ask you, did the pants have the spirits in them before you tried them on? I didn't bring no spirit to Nordstrom Rack. I go to Nordstrom Rack all the time. I didn't bring no spirit to Nordstrom. Talking about, uh, I'm not quite sure if that is correct. I saw a spirit on a pair of Hugo Boss shoes, nice shoes. Did you buy the shoes? Uh, I yeah, I bought the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the shoes. There's some nice shoes. It was black with soft cushion round toe, and they had a nice heel on. 
two shoes are normally eight hundred dollars. I got them for a hundred and twenty dollars. That's a great bargain. It was a great dog, great bargain. And the but they had a spirit. It. Having a spirit that it didn't stop you or hinder you from buying those shoes. But now, you see, it. that's my question. If something have a spirit in it, should I buy it? <laughs> <laughs> that's my question. The answer would be no. You should not buy it, even if it's a great bargain. You should not buy it. Attaching spirits are not good to have no matter what. Even if it's a relative, even if somebody is a loved one, even if it's a, a husband or a wife that passed on, it is not good to have any attaching spirits. That's right. Even if you take those shoes home and, and cleanse them with uh, spirit attachment removal or soul cleansing or something, Get another pair of shoes if you sense negative energy around stuff like that. That's just our two cents worth. Yes, and remember, attaching spirits can be attached to people, places, or things. So that is something that you need to keep an eye out on and use your senses. Your senses is your higher self trying to warn you against something. So it's time to pay attention. The ways that you can reach us, um, like we said, you can look at a lot of our material. We have a lot of free material out there. We have literally hundreds of radio shows. We have hundreds of video broadcasts. Uh, we've done a lot of videos that we put up on MindBytes. So we have a lot of material that answers a lot of questions about a lot of different areas of life. So if you want to find some answers to a lot of questions, we have put up a great deal of information on MindBytes.com. Put in my name or put in the Tybro name, T-Y-B-R-O and uh, subscribe to it. We also have something new that we're really excited about that's coming out. That's right. We just uh, redid our center so that we have a video studio in there, and we are now creating new videos that are going to be based on many of the workshops that we have done and things that are coming up that we're getting ready to do, but we're very excited about it. We're very excited about it. We're going to actually have one on quinoa food. For those who miss quinoa food. For everybody that's been asking us over the last two centuries to do our seminars and record them, we have decided to create drum roll. Boom! <laughs> no, we're not passing any of this around. <laughs> this is going to stay up here on the stage. <laughs> we're going to have a Tybro Video Club. And on the Tybro Video Club, tell them what's on the Tybro Video Club, Kathy Gibson. On the Tybro Video Club, we're going to have, we're going to offer videos of our seminars. Every seminar that we've done, we're going to re-record it with the newest technology that we have, with my new consciousness, and we're going to present the seminar on the Tybro Video Club. So you can get the living soul, spiritual world, the major players, spiritual power, words of power, words of power, words, hear me, <laughs> words of power, quinoa food, quinoa food, body of light, body of light, secret fire, secret fire, removing attaching spirits, all the ones that you haven't been able, especially, especially for those who live out of the country. And we're going to do the solar rejuvenation and the Nephilim Codex. And it's all, they're all going to be on our brand new Tybro Video Club. The club membership will be $99 a month, okay? 
But with that membership, you will get all of our seminars that are available. We're going to put some uh, each month, so you'll be able to get a seminar. So you don't have to worry about paying the 250 to come to the seminar, the hotel, the flight, the food, everything. You'll be able to look at whatever we have for that month, and they'll be coded for each month. And each month will include at least one or sometimes two seminars. And the video club will also include some of our material that people in out of the country have not been able to see. So it's a, and they'll be re-recorded, brand new, uh, high technology, high depth. And we even have a cool intro that Michael's going to be making for all the new videos. It's really um, a high-tech endeavor where people can now get all of the Tybro videos, all of the Tybro seminars online. And the technology is protected, so it's cloud technology. You won't be able to record these. No, you won't be able to record them. And also, uh, keep in mind that if for those of you who enjoy coming to our seminars, we still want you to come. And we have to record all these over again. So it's going to take some time to get all of them recorded again. So we're saying where you're going to be getting the Kimwapu and the Body of Light and all these different seminars, but it's going to take time. And some of them, it will be months from now before we'll be able to get them uploaded and onto the new platform. So uh, after won't be there for a very long time. The symbols of power will not be on there for a very long time. We have to actually present those first before we will record them much later on. So. Uh, if you don't want to wait and you can afford it and you can come to the different cities that we're going to be in, please join us because we love having you there. We love interacting with all the people who get this information. Uh, the last one we did in New York was just phenomenal with the Nephilim Codex and we enjoyed all the people who were there. So if you can join us, that's great. If you can't join us, this is your first opportunity to catch what the seminar information is all about. According to YouTube, we have uh, over 4 million followers all over the world. And a lot of the followers, the vast majority, probably 70% uh, are in the U.S. Another percentage, half the percentage are in Canada and the U.K. But a lot of people, we know not everybody in the world can come to a seminar. No. But we're going to put a number of seminars on this uh, video channel of our uh, uh, video club, and at the first one we're going to put up, the seminar that we've already recorded, new technology and everything, is the Human Body of Life. That seminar, we're going to put that up next week. Mm -hmm. Also with a number of other videos that you may not have seen in the past, and some of them uh, are also some, with some of the new technology. So keep an eye on your email list. If you're not on our email list, go on our website, and there are a number of pages on the website where you can sign up at www.tybro.com. Sign up to our mailing list, uh, and once you sign up on the mailing list, you'll be given information next week about the video club because we're going to get started on it next week. We uh, took a little bit of a break, and yay! <laughs> <laughs> and during that break, we had some much-needed rest, but now we're going to hit it again. It's time to rip back. Bang! 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 Hmm. <laughs> bang! 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 We're going to be hitting it like that. Mitch and Kathy Gibson hidden it with the video club, with the new seminars. Oh, also, we have a new book that just came out. They just arrived here at the house, and it's the new, uh, let's see what it's called, Rare Latin Magical Incantations are in the house now, and they will be shipped out on Monday. 
and we are excited to have it. It's a beautiful book. It came out perfectly. And so for those of you who have already purchased it, uh, it is in, and we will ship it out on Monday. For those of you who don't know what it's all about, Dr. Gibson, give them a, a preview of what the book's about. Latin is one of the strongest magical languages out there. Um, Babylonian, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, uh, Sanskrit are a number of other languages that are spiritually powerful. But Latin was the last great language that carried great spiritual power and magical power. When you look at a number of movies uh, about magicians and wizards doing magic, quite, quite often they're speaking in Latin. And in the Harry Potter series, every one of the spells were in Latin for a reason. Latin still carries a great deal of spiritual force. Uh, it's called a kavana, uh, and the, the Kabbalistic word kavana means direction or force. Latin still carries the original force of the primordial energy of magic. The English tongue and many of the modern tongues are not old enough to carry the kavana. They're too young. Their spiritual muscles aren't strong enough. But if you get Latin in some of the ancient incantations, you know, it is hard to find Latin incantations in one place. Is it? You just, I looked. It's one of the reasons I wrote the book, because I wanted to find Latin incantations that were useful. And I'm not talking about child's play useful. I wanted to be able to use Latin incantations in a serious way. And those books aren't out there. They're not out there. They're not out there. And people are looking for incantations that work. I have, Latin was the first language that I embraced uh, when I was a young boy. I studied Latin in high school, and I absolutely fell in love with the language. And I was named a North Carolina Latin scholar, and I used Latin um, once to protect myself from a dog that was running after me and was going to bite me. And I just instinctively said a word in Latin very loud that I'd heard in the dream, and it stopped the dog dead in its tracks. And that dog looked at me like somebody had hit it with a brick, and then it ran backwards in the other direction, and he is. That really told me that there's power in language. And the Latin incantation book is full of powerful words. Some of them are long, some of them are intermediate, some of them are short, many of, the, many of them are short. But it will give you an insight into using Latin as a language of power. And that's, that book is out, it is done, we will start shipping them, we'll take them to the office tomorrow, we'll start shipping them on Monday. Did you say you were a Latin scholar? I was a Latin scholar. Every year in North Carolina there is a test that's given. I call the North Carolina Latin Scholar Program, and you have to—it's a written test that's given to all Latin students. And if you place high enough in the program, you're named a North Carolina Latin Scholar. Well, I did very well on the test. I almost got a perfect score, and um, it was because the teacher that I had, uh, Mrs. Katie Crosland, God rest her soul, told me that I could study the language and go as fast as I want. So I did. But while doing that. I mean, nobody, no teacher had ever told me that I had to stay with the class. Mm -hmm. that, any, that anybody that wanted to speed up could go as fast as you want. And so that was like music to my ears. Quite often I was bored staying with the class. But in this particular case, I studied Latin, I studied Caesar, I studied uh, the Odyssey and the Iliad and, and uh, the Gallic uh, Wars written by Caesar as well. And it was really the first time that I, I learned to appreciate a culture from its language not just English, but I, I appreciated Latin. And this book reflects my understanding of magic, my understanding of the language, and my understanding of the use of force combined with language to change reality.
So on the Harry Potter movies, I the saw Harry Potter movies. Yeah, the Harry Potter movies. The Potter movies. The Harry Potter movies for the three-year-old and under. <laughs> <laughs> the Harry Potter movies the coming Harry out this fall. Potter <laughs> movies. Uh, the Harry Potter movies when uh, who was the main young man? What's his name? Harry Potter. Okay, so when he did those that guy. The incantations, and he did it, and he said it with force. Is the force, is that what makes it work, or is it the words? Um, one of the movies showed Harry Potter being able to deal with the Dementors. But there was a, a spell that he had to do. We had to generate a great deal of joy while he was saying the words. And if the joy wasn't with the words, the light wouldn't come out of the wand, and he wouldn't be able to push the Dementors away. So in doing the spell, Harry combined the most basic tenets of magic, emotional power and focus. He combined using ritual with the wand, combined with the words that he was taught, while under stress. I mean, think about it, feeling joy while you're being attacked. Mm -hmm. It's a process. Mm -hmm. It's something that a person really has to practice, and Harry did that, and in so doing, he showed a secret of magic. Quite often you notice that when people are fighting in magic, they're telling jokes and laughing, especially the, the really bad guy. The bad guy, the bad woman is laughing. I never really noticed that. I noticed that. Look at it. Look at Maleficent, for instance. Oh, yeah. She's well, laughing. When? Quite often. She's going to do a great job. She's going to do a great job. She is. Angela is going to do it. She should get an Academy Award just for that smile. <laughs> I don't know how that smile goes with the horns and the black, but no, that's Angelina. She's like that. She is. She's like that. She's a little bit crazy. A little bit. A little bit crazy. But that's perfect for Maleficent. Yes. Maleficent. We're having difficulty enunciating our words today. <laughs> Enunciation has been a challenge today. It's been today. a challenge today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been different yesterday, but today we're having a challenge. Yes, this is the first show we've done on a Friday evening. Normally, we're eating our supper and watching Arrow at this time. We are. We're not. not we're yet. doing the show. We're, we're dedicated today. Dedicated. We are dedicated. Okay. Well, let's see. I think it's time for us to jump back into the lessons that we've been talking about as far as the human soul. Unless you have something else you would like to talk about before we jump back in. I was liking our um, appreciation for <laughs> the work that we were just talking I liked our discussion <laughs> of Maleficent. 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 I got it right. <sighs> Is this where we are in the talk? I believe so. I think it's time that we're going to start talking about the rainbow body. We have been talking about the living soul. And the living soul is one of the first, is actually the very first seminar that we did. It is. And in that seminar, we spent, God, we spent eight weeks or so, or eight days, eight talking days. about the soul. Eight days. Four weeks. Eight full days. Eight full days from like nine until five. Nine to five at that time. Which was first hours and hours and hours talking about the soul. And even then, you still only barely scratched the surface. It was the first time that I spent any real time talking about a spiritual topic while I was still practicing medicine. And it really changed everything that we do. It, it really it, did. It was the first time that to my knowledge, anybody had talked about the physical nature of the soul, the function of the soul in the body, uh, the, how the soul looks, the description of the soul, and how the soul evolves and chant transforms this body into a being of life. It's the first time that's been done. 
And to my knowledge, even though it was done t over 10 years ago, nobody's done that since. No, they haven't. Well, I don't think anyone has that much information about the soul. When you, try to, when you try to find information on the soul, you can't find very much. We are going to share it today. Continue to share. For free. <laughs> you don't have to pay a dime for this. Now, when you go to our video club, there will be a charge. But on YouTube and on Nightwatch and on Facebook and our emails and my blog and everything, all that's free. As it should be. As it should be. We do our, we do our level best to have as much free as possible, but we also have to pay the bills. We do. So we have things that we have to pay for. Well, I like shoes. You do like shoes. I do. I like you shoes like Manolo Blahniks. I do. You like Kate of Spade. I love Kate of Spade. You like Jimmy of Chew. I like Donna Pliner. Donna Pliner, that's right. She likes she likes the good stuff. I do. And so. And so. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. I think where we left off, let's just do a recap. When we were talking about uh, doing a normal human life, the soul only exercises a fraction of its potential. And I know that to be a true fact. The primary function of souls prior to enlightenment is to dissolve the human ego. After the ego is dissolved, the higher mind can more freely communicate with the conscious mind. After the ego is dissolved, the soul seeks to enlighten the body. That means it's looking to change its form. This releasement triggers the realization of the dormant potential held within the DNA of the physical form. We're talking about activating that 97% of our DNA that is called dormant DNA. It doesn't do anything until something triggers it. The ultimate goal of this potential is the creation of what's been called the light body. A lot of places call it the rainbow body. And I think that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start with the rainbow body. So let's go to the area of the rainbow body. Some second difficulty there. We have technical difficulty. There it is. Okay. The rainbow body is a real thing. Now, we were watching a Superman cartoon yesterday. And Superman was being affected by a villain. Uh, the villain was changing the color of the sun, he was changing it from yellow to blue. And Superman was transforming into a body of light. He was transforming he was. into pure energy. And you could have just knocked me over with a feather when I saw Superman talking about transforming into pure energy. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Superman's been out since the 1930s, almost 70 years. But it's the first time I've ever seen Superman talk about something as mystical as transforming into energy. And that is exactly what the rainbow body is. The rainbow body is a real thing. Uh, there's a story about many uh, masters that have transformed into light uh, over the last couple thousand years, and there's even been one that's transformed within the last four or five years uh, in Tibet, um, a master who learned the, trans the technique of the rainbow body from a, a group of monks uh, in the Tibetan Buddhist, in a Tibetan Buddhist order, and when, they learned this pro when he learned this process, he began practicing it over a period of ten years, and when he knew that he was going to transition out of the physical body, he called his family members together and said to them that he was going to change into light. And he said, I'm going to sit in this corner and my body's going to disappear. And his family members respected his wishes. They knew that he was a devout and holy man. 
So they covered him up with a thin cloth, but they could still see through it. And over the next week, his body shrank from the size of a normal adult man. Uh, he was maybe 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, a small man, but still an adult. And his body shrank down to the size of a young child, maybe uh, a 20-pound child. And then uh, on the last day, his body disappeared entirely. And there was what was called severe or rainbow body relics that were left. And the relics looked like marbles of different colors. They call it the rainbow body because uh, two things happened. One, a body of light manifests. And many times when it manifests, a rainbow appears above the place of the manifestation. Also, witnesses reported a wonderful fragrant smell coming from the area surrounding the home. And they also saw a rainbow just appear out of nowhere uh, above the area. And when they took the cheesecloth off, there were a few nails, a few of his fingernails, a little bit of hair, and there was a small pile of rainbow body relics that looked like small rainbow-colored marbles on the floor. This just happened very recently and was actually documented in Discover Magazine. That's incredible. By a brother, Francis Tiso. And I wrote about this in my book, The Human Body of Life, um, in the first chapter, in the transformation of the human body of life. So, where can somebody go um, to change their body in the light? And there's some places that they can go? Well, the, the most important place a group of places that a person can go, can go are called the Sacred Zodchin National Caves. And this is a group of caves that exist in Tibet, even to today. And there are hundreds of these caves in the Himalaya, Himalayas and Tibet that, you, that are still inhabited. And these caves have a special energy. Uh, over the centuries, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands and thousands of people have transformed into light in these caves. And it is said that when a person goes into one of these caves, these, some of these beings come back and they help the person make the transition from physical matter into spirit or into light matter. Uh, this isn't science fiction. It is not a movie. It is not something that is fantasy. It is something that really happens. These caves vary from 2,700 to 7,000 meters above sea level. Uh, they are beautiful caves and there are many species of birds that don't live anywhere else but there. But the, the very important thing, the most special thing about this area, it is where the world's most highly accomplished meditation and spiritual practitioners go to transform themselves into life. So anyone can go to these caves? It doesn't matter? If they would go to these, actually what they're called is the sacred Zodchen natural mountain caves. And Zodchen is D-Z-O-G-C-H-E-N. And they're natural mountain caves. And a person can go there uh, if they are a highly evolved practitioner and try to turn themselves into a, uh, a body of light. And the solitary retreat practice is the fastest way to enlightenment. And it costs about $25 a month to uh, try to experience this phenomenal event. And the caves were, I guess in 1959, most of the caves were destroyed, but there's still some that still exist. Tibet was invaded by China in 1915, I think most people know that. But one of the great atrocities that happened during that invasion is that China killed off thousands and thousands of highly advanced practitioners. They killed monks, they killed nuns, they killed Rinpoche, they killed lamas, uh, they destroyed and burned temples. But I think the, one of the greatest tragedies is they destroyed a lot of these caves. These caves where humans go to 
transform into energy. And I think that was just a great loss. And the world stood by. And did not. While China did mm -hmm. And did nothing. You know, after watching on the History Channel the World Wars, which we just saw um, just in the last few days, seeing the world stand by and watch Hitler, and they did nothing like conquered Europe. The world stands by and do nothing when a lot of atrocities are taking place. Yeah, Hitler invaded the Rhineland area, which he said was his to begin with. He invaded Poland. Um, he did a lot of invasion before the Allies or anybody did anything. And Neville Chamberlain, who was the Prime Minister of England, waited months and watched Hitler do all these things. And Churchill was bang banging on his door saying, we got to do something, we got to do something. Nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. Until he started killing tens of thousands of people. And he said, okay, maybe we can take him seriously now. This was Hitler doing mm -hmm. But I found it amazing because they kept showing a map of the different places and countries that he conquered. And there was one little area that he did not bother, one little country. And guess what country that was? Which country was that? It was Switzerland. Switzerland. Why do you think he didn't bother Switzerland? I don't know. Switzerland doesn't have a large standing army. They, Hitler could have conquered them in a day. It, it really would have taken It really would have taken really like a couple of hours. Yeah, it would have taken him any time. But he did not touch but Switzerland. They didn't touch Switzerland. They didn't. I don't think Switzerland was touched in World War One. I. I don't think it was either. I wonder why. Could it be the money? <laughs> hey, you possible? follow the money, you're going to get a lot of questions answered. But he did not touch them. He did not touch it. And that was that was a shame. I mean, it's good for Switzerland, but what he did in the world stood by was a shame, just like with these caves. So let's talk about the evolution of the soul. Well, once people learn that the soul can grow and that their soul can evolve uh, with spiritual practices, they learn that the soul can be bigger, it can be more evolved, it can be more powerful. And in the Living Soul Course, we talked some about the process of soul evolution. And in that process, there were a number of different steps involved. Kundalini becomes more active, you retrieve all of your soul facets, you start to contact the impersonal level of the mind. We certainly know a lot about that. Mm -hmm. Part of the mind that knows that doesn't care anything about what you're doing in the physical world. It is so evolved, it's so far beyond us that it's like an ant trying to use the internet. It really <laughs> is. It is. You're also going to have karmic acceleration, the ability to influence other souls, and then you're going to start accumulating a lot of light. A lot of light. So there's a lot of things going on with soul evolution. There are, and we get this question a lot, Dr. Gibson, what is a, is there like a hierarchy of the soul? Is there Tell us about the hierarchy of the soul. We should spend some time on this now. It is really an important way to look at the hierarchy and delineation of different souls in the world. Mm -hmm. So we should spend some time on this. And I think we have a number of slides that we use for this. There are such a thing as called new souls. And a new soul is a soul that is less than 5,000 years old. Uh, souls live to be between 50 and 100,000 years old. and a mature soul is at 35,000 years old. Souls can live to be millions of years old, but that's rare. It's not that common. That would be considered any soul over 100,000 years is an old soul, but a new soul is a soul that is 5,000 years old or less. You want to tell them a few characteristics about new souls, young souls? New young souls are going to be very reckless. They are one, they're going to do 
everything wrong. They're going to drive the fastest. They're going to drink the most. They're going to do drugs the most. They're going to try to experience everything they possibly can because they just got here. And they want to see what life is like. They, they want to push it to the edge. They're going to push it to the edge. They're going to jump off cliffs. They're going to do everything dangerous. So if you have someone in, in your family or in your life that just seems to be out of control, more than likely they're a brand new soul that just got here. Another hallmark of a new soul is they don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> a new soul knows everything and yet knows nothing. A new soul is just like a teenager 24 hours a day. For lifetime after lifetime. They simply just don't understand that you can die. <laughs> if you drink too much, you can die if you drive too fast. If you play with guns, you can get shot. They just don't understand that. They do or not. don't care, one or the other. No, they just want to try everything that's new. And uh, that's part of, kind of like when you're growing up here. It's a maturity thing, and they haven't reached any type of maturity. So we can see very clearly when someone is kind of reckless and dangerous and kind of getting themselves in trouble time after time. We know that that is a new soul that we're dealing with and we know how to deal with them because of that. And uh, that is one of the, the hierarchy. These are on the lower level. The, the list of souls that we're going to give you right now, the, the description of the, these souls, uh, this is on the bottom level of a hierarchy. So we're going to start with the new souls. Then there's something called sleeper souls. What are sleeper souls? Well, a sleeper soul is a soul that comes into the world with a particular purpose. A sleeper soul may be a soul that just doesn't, is a person that doesn't do anything for many lifetimes. They may come in and they may be the most simple uh, person that you ever met. They may be the person that has a garden in life. And that's what they do. Mm -hmm. It may be a person that comes in life and has uh, a particular thing that they do over and over and over and nothing else. But then something happens in the world, and it wakes that soul up. And that soul comes into life or to the world with a particular purpose that they can do, something that they can do. A sleeper soul is created for a particular reason, and that soul will wait sometimes 50 or 60 lifetimes until that thing happens, and then their particular gift or ability will wake up. Mm -hmm. They may be a person who might invent a car. Well, we had no use for a car 500 years ago. Mm -hmm. They may be the person that invented the computer, the person that invented the camera, for instance. Because there are certain things that have to happen in reality before certain gifts can be brought to the surface. Sleeper souls wait until reality is ready for their gift. Well, that's a great thing. One of our favorites is the worker soul. Tell us about worker souls. Worker souls are the ones who build things. That's how things get done. Worker souls come in every lifetime ready to build, like someone in construction or architecture or someone who just likes to, to get work done. These are the ones that is the reason why we have houses and roads and, and the things that we need to get through everyday life. Without worker souls, we'd still be in the caves. Worker souls are the reason you have a, a garden or a yard or you have schools. Worker souls build reality. They're the builders. They're the builders. And that's what they do. They go from one planet to another, one lifetime to another, building stuff. And they I do. think it is the most beautiful thing to watch a worker soul at work because they are 
absolutely happy working. They are. They're not going to complain about the heat. No. They're not going to complain about the dust or the conditions because that's what they do. They usually are uh, very effective in a certain trade. Yeah. And they'll come and do that trade over and over and over again. Worker souls. We're thankful for the worker souls. Everyone should be. Then there's what's called the religious souls. Religious souls, my goodness, this is the souls that come in every incarnation and they go to church. They are, that's their life, is church. Their life's built around the church. Their life's built around praise. Their life is built around um, making sure that their families go to church. That is what they do. Religious souls come in to just live this life, praising God, and then go into the next incarnation. They come back and they do it all over again. That is what they do. And if you're not a religious soul, then you're going to have they're going to have a problem with you if you're not a religious soul. And it doesn't matter if you're family. Doesn't. If you're not a religious soul, they're going to say that you're working with the devil. Absolutely. That's that's the fallback discussion every time. If you're not doing as we say, then you're working with the devil. Now, personally, I don't really talk to the devil. The devil's never had dinner with us. I don't shop with the brother. <laughs> I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what kind of car he drives. So when people say, if you're not Christian, you're working with the devil, that to me just seemed like the most cruel thing you can say to a person. Well, religious souls are they're here for a purpose. And that is they're here to praise their God. Couldn't everybody who has different religions have what they consider their God when it's all really the same God, but it's like if you don't go and do their same practices, then you're not part of them. But it's just strange that for someone who's so built around Christianity and wanting people to be a part of that, that if you're not, then they're the first person that wants to demonize you. Truly. Truly. And I don't think that's what Jesus would do. I don't think that's what Jesus would do either. I don't think that's if what Jesus, Jesus was here, then I'd hang out with the brothers. <laughs> we'd go to a play pool and then we'd drink Kool-Aid together. Grape Kool-Aid? Hmm. You know how we like grape Kool-Aid. <laughs> Not necessarily grape Kool-Aid, but grape sodas, grape drinks. Grape drinks. I like grapes. I like them frozen. Great. And what about dying souls? The last and all of these different types of souls are on the bottom rung. New souls, sleeper souls, worker souls, religious souls are all on the bottom rung of the hierarchy of souls. Dying souls are souls that have lived and expended their life force and are in the process of leaving the world. These are souls that are, have reached their uh, limit of life force. They're not going to reincarnate. Their ability to reincarnate has uh, expended itself. Quite often these folks are sickly, um, they're not able to really heal themselves quickly. They're born sickly and they stay sickly a lot in their lives. They're not able to really work. A lot of these folks end up on disability and their lifetimes are spent because all of the karma that they built up over many lifetimes comes down on them. They end up being chronically ill clients, they end up being people that uh, may have chronic legal conditions, chronic medical conditions, chronic psychological or emotional conditions, um, chronic conditions that just don't seem to go away, in part because all the things that they've done in the past, all the decisions that they've made, come down to rest on them. And that's a dying soul. And if 
ultimately the purpose of a dying soul is to dissolve and disintegrate the soul so that the soul can no longer take a body. And when the soul can no longer take a body, does it go back into the spirit form? The soul disintegrates. It just disintegrates. Disintegrates. And that soul is gone. The facets break up, so you have 617 separate facets. Those facets may end up in 617 different people. So will that spirit that created that soul, will it just continue to create different souls? or Different souls. Well, the spirit creates multiple souls anyway. It doesn't just create one soul at a time. It creates many souls. Some souls become involved, evolved and enlightened, and some souls just don't bother to work on themselves. And those souls ultimately will become dying souls. Mm. Okay. Uh, the next rung up is two. It's called elevated souls and advanced souls. Elevated and advanced souls, you can tell the level of advancement of the soul um, in part by many things. A first-tier soul has a very low, and we just talked about first-tier souls, has a very low level of kundalini activity. Um, they tend to be religious versus spiritual, which means that they don't really work on themselves through meditation, through prayer, spiritual advancement. Their goal is to pretty much go to church, go to temple, say their prayers, and leave. Mm -hmm. Their goal isn't necessarily spiritual advancement, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but at some point, a soul really needs to behoove itself or apply itself to the goal of working and evolving. They also have a low degree of impersonal mind expression at the conscious level. They don't believe in a higher mind. They don't believe in higher consciousness necessarily. They also have a low level of spirit, spiritual awareness, and there tends to be a strong preponderance of fear-based emotions. That sounds like a lot a lot of people. Most of the souls on this planet are first-tier religious souls. Let's talk about the second-tier souls. Second-tier souls uh, have a lot of kundalini awakening. They'll have a lot of energy going through their system. They have greatly increased intelligence and intuition. They have increased spiritual awareness. Intense drive for knowledge. This is what we see when a lot of people start coming to a lot of different workshops. They have a need, um, desire to have more knowledge. They're awake. They have unexplained occurrences that begin to guide the soul in one direction or the other. And then they have direct guidance from the source for the first time in the soul's life. So they will start seeking out teachers. They will start seeking out someone who can guide them uh, to the information that they need guide them so that they can evolve more and be more aware. You know, I haven't looked at this information in a number of years. This is actually very good information. It is. To be able to talk about the different kinds of souls that live in the world, what separates the soul. A lot of people think that when they look at different types of souls, there's a separation by God. God doesn't separate souls that way. We separate ourselves by what we choose to do with the energy and information that we have when we're in the body. It, it is very important to recognize that the time you have in the physical body is a gift. And the soul, as it grows and evolves in the physical body, can't afford to waste any time. Mm -hmm. And it is that time. They're looking to see what you're going to do with your time. Are you meditating at all? Are you studying with a spiritual teacher? And there are a few in the world. Mm -hmm. Have you taken the time to look at your soul and ask, what are my rough edges? What do I need to do to evolve myself and to polish these edges? Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things that we come into the world to work on. And a lot of times when we get here, we forget about working on those things. 
That's true. That's true. A third tier soul is a higher level soul. It's not first tier, it's not second tier. These souls are known as world teachers or teachers. They have a high degree of kundalini activity. They can control to a certain extent certain forces of nature and they have a much higher creative uh, ability than the average person. Their karmic debt is low or minimal in many cases and it's hard for an attaching spirit to attach to them. One way you can look at it is if a body of water is spiritual energy as, as a metaphor. If that body of water is moving slowly, it's not unlike a stagnant pool of water in a stream or a pond. The slower that water moves, the more mud it's going to pick up. Mm -hmm. But when that water starts to move really fast and starts to pick up speed, that water gets cleaner, mm -hmm. it gets purer, uh, the water doesn't pick up mud or mosquitoes, and the water in and of itself gains energy. At, at its fastest speed, waters are called white water currents or rapids. A white water current is the same water that's in a stagnant, stagnant pool, except that it's moving. Mm -hmm. The energy of a master is moving. A master is always doing a number of things at one time. Writing books, lecturing, meditating, doing a number of things at one time so that their energy doesn't stagnate. Mm -hmm. And then we have what's called the fourth tier souls. These are fully developed kundalini potential. This is a, a being, a person who has developed their kundalini to the highest potential. They are given knowledge of the word. They're generally hidden from the masses. Most people can't find them. The, the guys, the course of humanity, the things that they do, what they write, uh, the, the information that they have that kind of guide humanity one way or another. They interface with advanced civilizations on behalf of humanity. So there are other civilizations out there that these beings interact with? Absolutely. There's many other civilizations out there that they interact with. Many of them right here in, in our, on our planet. Have you interacted with other civilizations? I have. You have? Mm-hmm. Huh, how do you know you've interacted with other civilizations? Because I've interacted with other civilizations. They weren't from here. And there you have it. They weren't from here. They weren't from here. Hmm. So other civilizations are interested in our spiritual development. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Not that I have to agree, but I agree. <laughs> Fifth-tier souls are the highest souls that you can work with. These are known as master souls. These souls are capable of controlling entire universes, or the force of energy of entire universes. These souls are fully realized levels of consciousness. These souls, when you work with them, you quickly realize that they're no longer human mm -hmm. in the traditional sense. There's something going on there. Often a master soul will interact with a person, and that person will realize by looking at their eyes, by talking with that, that person, you're not a normal person. There's something going on there. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with the master soul. Mm -hmm. And master souls like to interact with people just to see if they can recognize the energy of the master. They're able to control reality through the conscious control of consciousness. And they also have full mastery of the word. There are words that enable us to control reality around us. Let's look at some examples of some of the different types of souls that are out there. And as we're having this discussion, uh, you can reach us in a number of different ways. We have a website, www.tybro.com. 
And this is our radio show, The Enlightened Perspective. I'm with Dr. Mitchell Gibson. My wife and I, Kathy Gibson, do this show every week. And you can find us uh, Tuesdays from 7 to 8. That's when we broadcast. But we tend to record either Thursday or Friday or somewhere like that. We also have a blog called The Enlightened Perspective that you can reach us on. Um, and we have a, a huge presence on Facebook, a huge presence on YouTube. And in those ways, you can interact with us. You can see some of the free videos, some of the free blogs, some of the free posts on Facebook. Learn what we do. Go to our website. Lots of free posts there. Learn what we do. Learn about our products. Learn about our teachings. And that way you can get more out of these radio broadcasts. Mm -hmm. Also, don't forget to, when you go to our website, the website's full of information. If you just take the time to read through the website, it will t probably take you a couple of days to get through everything, all the information that's on there. So don't take that for granted. You don't need to buy anything, but uh, you should read what's on there because there's a lot of information that's very helpful to many, many people, and people have been taking advantage of it for over 12 years. So uh, don't forget to look at the website for information. Do we want to talk about advanced I don't know how much time do we have left. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how much time we have left either. We're uh, man, how much time do we have left? Just wondering if we're getting close to the end or if we should... Okay, okay. So we can go through a few of the advanced souls. Uh, would you consider Mother Teresa an advanced soul? You know, that's a good question. Mother Teresa was a dear person. She was born into wealth in Pennsylvania, and she gave all of that up and moved to the slums of Calcutta, India, to work with the most impoverished, some of the most impoverished people in the world. She contracted all kinds of diseases. She actually was attacked by demons herself and had to be exercised. And yet she stayed and gave her last breath to some of the poorest people in the world. That is an exceptional thing to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. In my opinion, that qualifies her as an advance. What do you think? Well, I also know that she didn't have the relationship with God that she wanted. She was an advanced soul. She did a wonderful thing taking care of those children and being around all those impoverished people. But for her personally, from what I've read, she didn't have a strong relationship with God. I don't think she felt love. And that is shocking to me. Yeah, and some of the books that have been written about her and some of the things that people have said about her, she felt spiritually unfulfilled. Yes. Yeah. And that's sad to me. Yeah, that's very sad. Especially for all that she sacrificed. She sacrificed everything for those children to help those children. And in her own personal life, she didn't feel the connection with the Creator. And for that, I'm just sad for her that she didn't have that connection. My prayer is that when she returns to this world, if she returns to this world, she'll find a way to feel more fulfilled and closer to God in her life. One thing we always talk about, we used to talk about it on the cash show almost every week, is I would tell people that they have to have a personal relationship with God uh, because without it, something's going to feel empty inside of your being because you need that connection. And uh, Mother Teresa didn't have that even though she dedicated her life to be of service to others. Uh, hopefully, those listening will learn to have that kind of connection with the Creator because that is where, where He lives. He lives in your heart. And if you don't have that connection with Him, then something's missing in your heart. And you can find a lot of love there if you just have that connection. So 
for those listening, have a personal relationship with God or a higher being. Her energy touches you, doesn't it? It does. Because it's a, it's a, a woman who uh, actually gave her life, her wealth, to the service of others. And that is a tremendous thing to do when you do it. But without to do that without that connection with God would be just something that's unfulfilled for her. And uh, I would just want that the next time that she comes, if she comes back, is that she has that connection for herself and then gives service. I wonder why she manifested inside of her so good. It had to be exercised. I, I, I think sometimes I wonder if she wanted to see if God would, would save her. Or was it a call for help from God himself? It's just a question that's, that I have. It's a good question. Because I mean, here is one of the most powerful, most holy people in the world who got possessed. Mm-hmm. And that's very rare that that would happen. So there must have been some despair. I, I, I did read in certain cases that she had depression. And there must have been some despair inside of her that allowed this opening to occur. I don't know, I'm only guessing. But it, it just makes me wonder if that was the case. Well, if she was possessed by a demon, there there was a space that the demon could actually get into. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And if you have your own personal connection with the Creator, then that's, there's no space there. And maybe she was allowed herself to be possessed to see what God would do. But that would be between her and God. The last one we have to talk about, should we go to that one or just... I think we should just talk about... Uh, things we have coming up? Yeah, okay. things we have coming up. We have, uh, actually coming up tomorrow, we're going to do Darshan at the center from 10 to 12. It's a time that we do a two-hour meditation with those who want to come to the center and be in our energy. And it's really a wonderful meditation. And I think tomorrow, on the second hour, I'm going to play the Super Buddha Consciousness Attunements uh, in the background. Well, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Uh, but that was, it's an excellent meditation. I really enjoy it. And um, it's usually during the second hour, uh, we can have music, but usually we ask that you have headphones on. But the first hour is a silent meditation because most people never take the time to meditate in silence. And it's something that we all should do more often because that's really when you can quiet your mind down and uh, spend that time with the Creator. We also have coming up on, uh, I think it's June 14th, something at the center called uh, The Hidden Power of Medallions. And we're going to talk about some of the secrets that are hidden within the medallions that most of the people have been purchasing. There's more power there than you think. And we're going to talk about that and how to use it. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. And then we have our uh, workshop coming up in on July 12th in uh, New Orleans called After. And we're going to talk about the afterlife and what that's like and things that you can do now to prepare yourself for that transition. So if you can, join us. Go to our website, www.tybro.com, T-Y-B-R-O.com. Look under upcoming events and that will keep you updated on what's going on with the Tybro family. Uh, we enjoyed being with you today, and we look forward to our program next week. And this is Dr. Mitchell Gibson. And Kathy Gibson. And we are the Enlightened Perspective. Thank you so much for joining us, and see us again next week.
Bye. Bye.